0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code
2: And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
3: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Tuesday. May the third, twenty twenty-two, and it is a heck of a morning here on the MA Fighting Twitter Spaces. We are live, and then shortly thereafter, we will be on the MA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're having a great day. Apologies for the later start time. A lot going on in the uh, in the life of yours truly. Right now, I am at a auto repair shop getting my brakes checked out, hopefully getting brakes replaced. And I wasn't going to leave you hanging. So we're going to do a show. I don't know how long we're going to do the show for. Maybe a half hour, maybe a little longer. I don't really know. We have a lot to talk about because we're coming off a very busy weekend in the world of combat sports. We have a massive pay-per-view coming up on Saturday. UFC 274 in Phoenix, Arizona. We get two title fights. We have a very interesting lightweight matchup that a lot of people are very excited about between Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler. Main event for the lightweight championship. We have Charles Oliveira defending against Justin Gaethje. And for the strawweight championship, a rematch. This time, Rose Namajunas is the champion and she will be defending against the former champion and the inaugural champion, Carlos Sparza. Finally, Carlos Barza gets her shot. So it should be a very fun card. Very much looking forward to it, of course. MA Fighting will be on the scene. Our own Jose Youngs and Sean Alshadi will be there. Bringing you all the goods from Phoenix, Arizona. But this past weekend was a lot of fun. It uh, It was tremendous. We had UFC Vegas 53 breakout moment for, wow, I see the heavyweight champion of the world, Francis Ngannou, in the room right now. Hello, Francis. Hope you're having a a wonderful day, sir. And feel free, if you want to jump in here, we would love to talk to you, sir. But anyways, Marlon Vera, great moment against Rob Font. That guy is an absolute zombie because Rob Font, nah, Francis left. Marlon Vera is just a zombie. He got hit by Rob Font a lot. I mean, an absolute ton of times. In fact, it was historically the greatest striking discrepancy for a unanimous decision in UFC history. Rob fought outland and Marlon Vera by over hundred significant strikes, but Marlon Vera did all the damage. So, here's here's the thing: if you want to go back and there's cars driving all over the place, you want to go back and learn how to judge a fight in today's UFC in today's world of MMA the new standard of judging, or at least the refreshed standard of judging, go back and ro- watch the last two Rob Font fights, and those will tell you exactly what, how to do it. Because Rob Font outlanded both those guys by a significant margin and landed some good shots. But Marlon Vera with the big knockdowns, Jose Aldo with the big knockdowns, Rob Font looked like a different human being at the end of that fight. And Marlon Vera didn't even look like he was in a fight at all, which is just wild to think about. So a tremendous performance from Marlon Vera. Well done. And then across the country on the East Coast, Madison Square Garden, just an absolute tremendous fight between Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. Just unbelievable stuff. The atmosphere was incredible. And there are very few times where I cover this sport and I'm watching an event and I get that FOMO that I'm like, damn, I wish I was there. Wish I was there to see this all happen and experience it all. Last year, I felt it when Brandon Moreno won the flyweight title. That moment in Phoenix, the crowd just going absolutely bananas. It was just like, man, like what, what would that have been like to be in the arena? And just, just feel that energy because that was an incredible moment. And then just watching everything that happened at MSG between Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, I got the FOMO. I got the FOMO in a big way. And Katie Taylor gets the win, super close, super competitive fight, and now he gets to do it again. In fact, they can just fight each other for the rest of their careers, and I'll be a happy camper because I'll watch that every time. And if they could do that in Ireland, oh, my gosh. It's going to be hard to top that environment at MSG, but good grief. Those two ladies would probably get it done if that fight took place in Ireland. So very busy weekend in MMA, in combat sports, boxing. By the way, I have to say something because I don't really look at comments all that often. But once in a while, I'll go and look at the podcast numbers since I host like 815 shows on the network. And just see how people are rating them and see comments and things like that. We had one person actually jump in our ratings review section of the podcast And they said, we need to stop talking about boxing. We need to start covering the real athletes that fight in MMA. Now, I have a big issue with that statement because you are coming out and you're saying that what Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor did on Saturday was not real. Like they're not real athletes. What a friggin' joke. What a friggin' joke that was. I read that and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. You take your one star. And you stick it where the sun don't shine, son. Golly, I could not believe that I read that this morning. What a joke. But anyways, I see a lot of people waiting patiently to give their thoughts on whatever is going on in combat sports. If you want to talk about Saturday, you want to talk about this Saturday, you want to talk about some other stuff, I'm all ears. Let's go. Christopher, The Undertaker Street continues on, my man. How are you, Mike? How are you doing, man? Wonderful. What's up? Yeah, i kind of curious what your thoughts are on the news of Dan Hooker announcing that he's not going to fight again at 145. Um, and kind of what I wanted to parlay that with is Grant Dawson on the weekend was amazing. I came in here last week and I said that you know I'm not too convinced about him at 155. Shut me up completely because Jared Gordon is is an is an impossible guy to stop and grant did exactly that right um so i guess my thoughts are what do you think about pairing those two together dan hooker and grant dawson or another thought would be how about grant dawson against bobby green kind of getting the rub of bobby green's popularity maybe you could put those guys uh, like doing like a main event of a fight night or something like that just wondering what your thoughts are thank you christopher always great insight um The Dan Hooker thing, I get it. He makes perfect sense because he's in the exact same boat in either division. So if you're in the exact same boat in either division, why go through all the hell to drop to 145 when you don't have to? You know what I mean? Why go through that? You're in the same boat. You're going to fight a killer either way. So if you're going to fight a killer, you might as well be in the best possible position that you could be in in terms of your physical health. That cut to 145 cannot be easy, especially at this point in his career. He made it against Arnold Allen. The fight was crazy. He got stopped. So either way, he's either going to fight just an absolute... He's either going to fight like an Iliad Tepori at 145 or, as you mentioned, a guy like Grant Dawson at 155 who I just don't see a a ton of 55ers in the top 15 that are going to be super excited to fight Grant Dawson, especially after that performance. I have been... I'm one of the first people on the Grant Dawson train. I've been hyping that kid up since he was on the regional scene. I knew how good he could be, and I still don't think he's hit his ceiling yet. So, yeah, Dan Hooker versus Grant Dawson makes a lot of sense to me. Bobby Green, yeah, he could do it. I don't know if it's a main event. I just don't think Grant has that cachet just yet. I think a couple more wins, maybe you put him in that boat, but Grant's a great fighter we just got to get people just need to get to know him a little bit more and i think people are after that performance against jared gordon but people got to get to know the personality know who he is a little bit more get a couple other big wins but i like the dan hooker idea that'd be a that'd be a good one to to kind of get him over that hump tristan gordon joins us what's hey up buddy hey mike
4: what's going on uh, first of all we, what's going on i don't know what's going on but like i listen to hot know and, like, kind of the disdain, the disdain that you have for Henry Cejudo. I mean, I, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, I'm saying to myself, where is this coming from? I mean, I don't know this. I don't know if this. Because I remember Jose, Jose Youngs was just like, you, you do remember, he, he beat, you know, he was double champ. And you were just like, I'm not having it, man. I don't care about this guy. Like, no. Like, I'm like, I've never seen you this way where you were so disdained about Henry Cejudo's. I was pretty taken aback, but I, but I love it. I was just I was I was, I was stunned. But um, my question is uh, with this with Justin Gaethje versus um uh um Charles Oliveira. I, I read the article that I think Jed and Shu um said with um Gaethje issuing a warning that about Charles Oliveira that I believe Gaethje said that he's going to make him quit just like he's had just like um Oliveira has uh he said, you know, quit in previous fights before. But I, you think he's look do you think Gaethje's looking at this fight the wrong way? Like I, I don't know, I feel like he may be underestimating Charles that he feels maybe like Oliveira hasn't got past those issues of where we've done we've probably seen him try to find a way out and he's um deciding that, you know, I'm gonna make him do that again in this fight coming up on Saturday. So your thoughts on that fight? and how the approach Gaethje is taking, all right?
3: Uh, thanks. Thank you, Tristan. And let me just say, there's it, there's no disdain for Henry Cejudo. It's just that I don't care. It's just that I don't care. I don't care that he says he's coming back. I don't care. Until he actually gets into the octagon and fights somebody, I don't care that he's coming back. I I hated the retirement. It may, It was just the worst timing for it. I think for some reason he expected it to be, like, met with so much more sadness. But nobody cared. It was was over in two seconds. The UFC didn't even really, like, care. Dana White immediately said, okay, Pietro Jan's going to fight for the title. We're done. We've already moved on. The card was, like, the card had just ended. It wasn't even the next day before the UFC had moved on from Henry Cejudo. So, you can't expect me to be all that enthralled. And then, what has Henry Cejudo done since he retired? I'm coming back to fight this guy. I'll fight this guy. I'm going to beat up Volkanovski. I'm going to beat up Jan. I'm going to beat up this guy. I'm going to be this. No, you're not. No, you're not. You haven't beat up anybody. You haven't fought anybody in the last two years. When you get in there and you fight somebody and you take a hard fight, like if, you, if he goes out and just says, you know what? I'm not going to fight for the belt. I'm not going to get $42 million a fight like I think I'm going to get. I'll go fight Marab. I'll go fight Marlon Vera. I'll go fight one of these guys and prove to you that I should be fighting for the title, that I am the best bantamweight in the world, that I'm one of the best combat sports athletes of all time. You do that, my tune changes. My tune changes. But until you actually get in there and you fight, I'm, 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 I'm keeping the same energy, bro. I'm keeping the same energy. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care until you do it. So that's how I feel about Henry Cejudo. As far as Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, man. I thought after the Justin Poirier fight, we were over this narrative that Charles Oliveira was a quitter. I thought we were past that. I guess not. I guess not. Justin Gaethje sure doesn't seem past it. And I get it. I feel like if there's anybody who could take any fighter, and make them feel super uncomfortable and make them and put them in a decision-making point where they're like, do I want to keep fighting this guy? Or do I just want to be like, eh, here's a way out. I don't want to do this anymore. I feel like Justin Gaethje the the guy that you would have those thoughts against more than anybody else. But I don't know. I don't think he's overlooking them. I just think maybe, maybe this is mind games. This is just trying to, to sell a fight. I don't know. But I love it. I love the fight. These two guys don't even need to do media day. They don't need to do a press conference. They did not need to do do anything. Just weigh in, show up to ceremonial weigh-ins, face off, and then fight each other on Saturday. And that's all I need. These two guys are not going to get on the microphone and talk trash and sell a million more pay-per-views. They're just not. Just get in there and fight. I don't care about any sort of other buildup for it. The fight rules. It's one of the best fights of the year. I can't wait to see it. Cannot wait to see it.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away.
2: And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
3: Let's get Tajik Bay in here. Of course, we see his tweets on the broadcast about 50 times every Saturday. Hello, sir. Good morning.
5: Uh, Hello, Mike. Uh, Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Yes, uh, Mike, uh, you're one of the very few journal, MMA journalists that I actually listen to and 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 follow closely. So, just want to take a moment to, you know, give you a uh, kind of a token of appreciation for what you do and how you report news. Uh, yeah. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah. As far as Dawson uh, uh, Dawson versus who was was was
3: the uh, was the suggestion? I think it was Dawson and then Bobby no. Green for a possible main event. Uh, No. Not Dawson, Dan Hooker. Yeah, Hooker,
5: uh, with Hooker 155, like, I think the the, the problem right now, uh, maybe Dawson is one fight away from fighting Hooker, and and Hooker kind of, like, his role as the gatekeeper is already kind of affirmed with his recent setbacks. But I think what makes sense is the battle of the veterans, if you put, actually, Hooker uh, versus Barbosa. They have already fought, and they will both will be comfortable at one, to settle uh, the score at 155. Um, that's kind of, I think, the, the match to make. As far as the Dawson, I think it's a little bit too premature to push him towards the top 15 uh, of, the, uh, of the weight class. I mean, that's, uh, I think it's a little bit hard of a matchup and a little bit too early for him. Uh, and one comment about uh, Thiel versus Hermanson. Till versus Hermanson is... Uh, is a co-main event, event for UFC London. I'm not sure why the fight has been announced, but it has not been confirmed as the co-main event. So that's maybe something that you can do and report because a lot of media outlets are reporting the fight happening, but nobody's reporting that it's a co-main event.
3: Thank you, Tajik Bay. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, yeah, Till. I mean, I have a hard time believing that Till and Hermanson is not the co-main event. The reason that maybe the UFC hasn't confirmed that or anybody else is maybe they got something else in the works I don't know um but that that's the assumed co-main event that's just that's a great fight that's great matchmaking right there I feel that's really the fight for Darren Till like I feel and this is no disrespect to Jack Hermanson cuz I think Jack Hermanson is a is a very good fighter but if Darren Till is going to get a win against a top 10 top 12 middleweight it's got to be against Jack Hermanson I feel like he matches up pretty decently there. But a lot of the other middleweights, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough hang for Darren Till. It just, it just is, but he has taken a lot of time off, which I think is a great thing he's been doing. He's training with Hamzad and the guys over at all stars, which is another very smart move on his part. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the fight. We'll see what happens. Darren Till, I think the closer we get to that card, I obviously the London crowd, the atmosphere, UFC London is the best event of the year so far. Like, it's not even close. That was the most enjoyable, just incredible stuff. So I I think the closer we get to that fight, the more excitement, the more intrigue we're going to have. More on the Darren Till side. Can he get back in the win column? Can he have an impressive performance? And he's doing it in London, so the crowd's going to be absolutely going bananas for him. You couldn't ask for a better situation if you're Darren Till trying to get back on track. As far as... The Grant Dawson that goes, "Yeah, I mean, listen. I actually don't even remember who I suggested he fight on on the next one at this point because they all just so they blend together so much, but the Barboza idea is not bad for for Dan Hooker, excuse me. Uh that's not a, that's not a bad one. Yeah, that would work. I actually like the Charles Jourdain fight. I think that makes uh good sense for for Edson Barboza. Charles Jourdain versus Edson Barboza. I love the call out. I love the we're going to fight till somebody dies mentality he has. So, listen, if they do Edson Barboza versus Dan Hooker, I'm watching the crap out of that. If they do Edson Barboza, if they do Dan Hooker against Grant Dawson, I'm watching that. If they do Dan Hooker versus Bobby Green, I'm watching that. Dan Hooker against anybody, I'm watching it. And then Dawson, yeah, maybe he needs another win before he gets that fight. But, again, I just don't know if there's going to be a lot of top 15 guys who are going to be like, yeah, Grant Dawson, let's go. That sounds like a ton of fun. Can't wait to have a big, huge, probably welterweight guy who fought at 45, now getting comforted at 155, who has changed training camps, who will just take me down and get on my back for 15 minutes. That sounds like fun. So I think, I think Doss is going to have a, a little bit of a tough time fighting a fight. Now, we have to also figure out there's – if you follow the uh, the great Daniel Rubenstein, one of my, uh, one of my favorite managers, on Twitter – There seems to be a little conundrum at 155 as well. Because Armand Sarukian, again, another 155, who I think is going to have a hard time finding himself some fights. He's supposed to fight on June 25th. According to Daniel Rubenstein, the fight has been offered to Gregor Gillespie, which I actually like that fight a lot. He feels like Gregor Gillespie is not going to take the fight. And they said if Gregor Gillespie doesn't take the fight, they're going to do Sarukian. Versus Batush Gamrot, which is ridiculous. So either way, so we kind of see how that plays out. See where Brad Riddell fits in all of this stuff. Um, yeah, 55 is just is a lot of fun. Let's get my man Toke in here. Toke, what's up? Oh yeah, Don't uh, there it yep. is. What's up, buddy? Um, I'm just
6: uh, here to say that I know the reason that Darren Hill has not been um, mentioned as a co-main yet, because they're our biggest stars right now in the in the in England. Like, if if Paddy Pimblet books a fight, he's the co-main, no matter who it's against. And yeah, you know, great okay, point. So yeah, and what I will say is. No matter who he fights, it will be the co-main. And uh, my thought is, you know what? Damir Habsovich just had to pull out of a fight because of visa issues. Those visa issues are probably not the same in England. So just put Paddy Pimplet on with Damir Habsovich, and just have it as a co-main so, so the crowd can go wild for that after they've already seen Darren Till lose in the third, third to last fight. What do you think about
3: that one? Wow. Holy cow. Just no faith in uh in Darren Till. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, listen, you here's the thing about Patty Pimblin. This has been a uh There's a truck pulling in, so excuse excuse the background noise. This has been a point of contention for a while. How do you book Patty Pimblin? Do you I suggested if you're gonna give him a push, like if you're if you're in the Paddy Pimblet business to shoot him up the ranks, I like the Alexander Hernandez fight. I think it's a fight that Hernandez is kind of favored in, but it's closer than people think. Plus, you're doing it in London. Plus, Alexander has, has shown that when there's a lot of pressure, when there's a lot of trash talk, when all that stuff, sometimes he falters a little bit. And maybe this could be an opportunity to shoot him up the ranks. But if you're going to just book Patty for the sake of booking him, who cares? Book him against anybody. You want to do Hatsovich? Cool. You want to book him against a contender series guy who who got starched in a minute? Cool. You book Patty Pimblett like you're booking an episode of WWF Superstars in 1992. You put him over. You give him a squash match. He gets punched in the face a couple of times. And then he goes out and gets a finish in the first round. The crowd goes banana. That's how you do it. You just put him over. It's just I don't think the UFC is in the business of trying to launch Paddy up the ranks and make him a, a title contender because that's not smart. But what you do with Paddy is you just give him squash matches, put him over, let him fight in London every single time, and just put him over. Give him Romana-Sherman-esque matchups and just let him win, let the crowd go crazy, set up the main event, no problem with that, but I don't know. Caddy Pimblet against anybody, probably a featherweight who is on a two-fight losing streak. That's how you book them. Let's get functionally crazy Chris in here. What's up, Chris?
7: Good. Good, you? Good, man. Um, I got my little, little quick-fire list here, and I'll take up any time. Um, I just wanted to know your thoughts, if any, any of my little short lists here that you remember stand out or – just to put the thought out for anybody listening. Um, It is weird that Cejudo gets, like, I I guess he got the credit when he was here, but it is weird how they are just like, all right, see you, Henry, thanks. (laughs) Like, even Habib, one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time, said on Tyson's podcast, Henry is above me because of his Olympian status. So it's just funny how, yeah, everyone's just like, all right, bye, Henry. Um, But I'm in the same thing. Like, until I see him fight, who cares? Um, but, you know, he is an Olympian, so I will always give him credit for that. Uh, the weird drama with the Usman Canelo shit, such a stupid fight. Um, but just because I saw, like, highlights from Jake Paul and Eddie Hearn and all this other stuff, so it kind of came up, and I know that's still kind of a buzz. It is stupid. Um, we would all watch it, but it is really, really dumb. I still don't understand that. Um, if- if anyone has not seen it, Eddie Hearn trolling Jake Paul is one of the funniest things I've seen in the last week, because finally, someone in a cool, calm, collected manner just gives it straight to this kid and tells him how it is. Like, look, bro, you, you're doing okay, but you're not who you think you are. And he just, it's hilarious. So do you all yourselves a favor and go watch that clip. Um, and as far as the card coming up, I just wanted to get your thoughts. I have a feeling Justin's going to get tapped again, and I hope that doesn't happen. Um, I think Rose may run through Carla. I don't know if I'm a fool for thinking that. I don't know if you saw uh, on the... Uh, the whatever they call it, the fight week promos. But Tony said he's focusing on wrestling for this match against Chandler. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, I'm hoping Shogun wins in Rikaze. I'm hoping... I don't really care who wins who we
3: is, but I both Thanks, man. All right. Functionally crazy as always, Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah, the Suhudo thing. Listen, I am not... When I say these things about Cejudo is not taking away from what he accomplished in his career because he's accomplished a ton, like a ridiculous amount. And he's a, he's a great fighter. He's a great fighter. His resume is unfreaking believable. The problem is he left too soon. Like just when people were starting to come around to the greatness of Henry Cejudo, like they were actually getting over the cringiness a little bit. After the Cruz win, we were like, okay, that was a great finish. You know, you could call it what you want. You could say, you know, Cruz was past his prime, whatever. It was still a great win. It was still on a huge card. It was a big moment for him. And then to go out and say, I'm done. And the reason I'm done is because I want a gazillion dollars. And then he leaves. And then, like, I mean, the UFC completely no-sells it. I mean, completely no-sells it. Like it was nothing. Dana White had moved on. He probably moved on before he left the octagon after putting the belt around Henry's waist. He was done. And then for him to just keep calling people out with no intention of coming back, like I was just over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. Come back and fight somebody else. You're not fighting for maybe. Maybe they give him a title fight. I hope they don't. Honestly, come back, fight Marab, fight Cheeto Vera. Go fight those guys. You get a win over either of those two guys. I shut up. I tell whoever, you fight for the title. I will come on this show the Tuesday after you fight either of those guys, if you beat them, and say, there's nobody else. Henry Cejudo fights for the title next. But until he does that, I'm keeping the same energy. I don't care. I don't care. I don't. I just don't care. The Usman Canelo stuff. It's just hilarious at this point. It's so funny. It's just hilarious. Usman's like trying his best, and I'll give him that. But Jed Bashu put out like a perfect tweet. He's just getting bodied in these tweets, like real bad. And then he has to go to the, what if we're uh, what if we locked in a room together? Who's coming out alive? We're not talking about that. We're talking about boxing. We're talking about two guys in a squared cer- square circle boxing. We're not talking about a boiler room brawl like we saw the undertaker and mankind do in the 1990s. We're talking about a boxing match and Usman's not beating Canelo. Nobody's beating Canelo. Nobody, especially not Usman, in a boxing match. And I'm all about guys getting paid and making that payday, son. I am make that money, but only if it makes sense. Like Francis Ngannou, like Tyson Fury, we all know how that boxing match is going to go. We know Tyson Fury is going to box Francis Ngannou's face-off, but we kind of are intrigued by it. We're still intrigued by it. And here's the thing. Tyson Fury wants it. Tyson wants it. He started this whole thing. He wants to fight Francis Ngannou. Canelo wants nothing to do with Usman. And it's the easiest money he will ever make in his career. And he wants nothing to do with it. What, like, what, else do you need that, what else needs to be said? What else needs to be said? Now, if it happens and Usman gets a big payday, cool. I'll probably watch it. But I already know what's going to happen. But Canelo doesn't even want it. Canelo Alvarez, who will make probably $100 million in some way with sponsors and everything to have a, a quick and easy night at the office, doesn't want it. That should tell you everything you need to know. Uh, let's get Brent in here. I know uh, Brent's going through some stuff right now. What's going on, man? I, uh, by the way, I am a fan of the, uh, <laughs> of the satrical MMAF press website. And it's amazing, Brent, that somehow you have gotten people who cover this sport to actually take your stuff and turn them into real news. It's pretty fascinating stuff, Brent. How are you? Just got to uh,
8: unmute the oh. Mic, oh, I've done it now. All right, thank you. I appreciate the... <laughs> If That's a compliment. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I, to be honest, only real people that actually post the content as real news, I wouldn't necessarily call them real news. It's just like a, accounts, like me, sort of media accounts that want to be news accounts. Because if you was real news account, you actually post <laughs> real news. <laughs> and it's like, it, it's a just a simple check. Like you can easily Google. something, <laughs> and if 100%.
3: Yeah.
8: And if you have a bit of knowledge, you know, you got, it's yourselves when they are fighting, uh, maybe a Junkie or BJ Penn. There's the big ones. Obviously, got bloody elbow and other stuff. But you, you know which one is more reliable one if you're actually a fan, you know.
3: Right. We know Stephen A is not coming out saying he's gonna knock out Joe Rogan. Uh, no, like we, no, we know this. no,
8: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. But yeah, I mean, I think mostly it's like either like big uh, Instagram is they, they, they're the word, uh, Instagram and TikTok, have, you know, few, But they're like generally yeah. fans that do that. Exactly. Re- realistically, uh, people do fall for it sometimes. <laughs> uh, which, I, I mean, I think, in a way, it helps actual news. Because if you fall for my account once, twice, three times, then when you actually see uh, a real news, you'll be like, let me double check, let me click on the article. Which helps the real news in a way, if you think about it. I mean, not, maybe agree much, disagree,
3: but, but I, the, know to, I know what degree, you're saying. I you're saying. I guess. I know what you're
8: saying. Yeah, something like that, I guess. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was listening to the Sehudo talk and everything. And what I would say is uh, so if you're in a job, right? And you don't think you get paid enough, what do you do? You either quit the job, which. He can't really do because he's on the contract, right? Or you sort of retire until and you make your case to make more money, I guess, right? So, uh, and we all know Dana doesn't like uh, when champions uh, retire without like, like the case uh, the, in the, the belt and stuff like that, like we happen with GSP and others, like that. he hates it. So, I mean, that's part of the reason why he they the sort, sort of sort, they don't really
3: care, I guess? Um, I mean, listen, here's, here's the thing. You mentioned George St. Pierre. When George St. Pierre left the UFC and he retired and he left, we still want to see him come back. We still ask him if he's coming back. We still bring up these fantasy fights to him. Why? Because we want to see him come back because he hasn't talked about coming back for three years or four years or whatever, every single time Kamar Usman defends his title. If GSP went out on Twitter and was like, hmm, maybe I'll come back and beat up that guy. And then would do interviews and be like, nah, I'm not coming back. Like, we'd feel a different way about GSP. Same way with Habib. Every time Habib does an interview, when when are you coming back? When are you coming back? When are you coming back? Habib's like, I ain't coming back. I'm going to coach my team. I'm going to run my promotion. That's it. I'm done. Stop asking me. I'm not coming back. It makes us want him to come back. We miss him. We miss him. Henry Cejudo was retired for about 11 seconds before he started calling people out. Like He's not giving us a chance to miss him. And what's crazy about this is that he's actually becoming a really good coach, like a really solid coach. One that I have a lot of respect for. He's doing a great job. But again, it's all about, I'll come back and beat this guy up. I'll go up to 155 and beat this guy up. I'll beat up Alexander Volkanovsky. I'll beat him. No, you're not. Because no one cares. No one cares. Silence is everything. Silence is golden. Just like going to see your favorite movie. You don't want to hear a bunch of people chirping about the movie. You want to watch the freaking movie. And then you want to talk to people about the movie after the fact because they were quiet during the movie. And that's what we want from Henry Cejudo. Just be quiet. Just go coach. Collect champions at your gym. Do your show. Talk about the news of MMA. Stay involved in the sport. And just don't talk about coming back for a year. And then guess what? A year from now when you show up at a UFC event and you're doing media... What's, what are we going to ask you about? When are you coming back? When are you coming back? Make us miss you, bro. We want GSP back. We want to be back. Because the way they're handling it. Again, if Henry comes back and fights, cool. Like, but I need to see it first. I need to see it first. And stop reaching. Just get in there and show it. Like, Dana, Dana's basically said, like, yeah, come back, dude. But, like, you're not fighting for the title. Go fight one of these other killers Get a win at 145, then we'll talk about fighting for the title. Go get a win at 35, then we'll start talking about fighting for the title. Just do that. Just do that. You have a path. It's laid out for you. And Dana's petty as hell. He ain't going back on that. He's not. If it's up to Dana, he ain't fighting for the title next. Maybe Aljo is just like, I ain't fighting anybody else but him. But what do you think's going to happen there? Dana will be like, okay, we'll put two other guys in there. The train moves on. It keeps moving forward. That's all. Listen. Again, let me reiterate. Everything Henry Cejudo has done in his career from a competitive standpoint has been tremendous. Unbelievable. The resume is incredible. He's got wins over. He beat Demetrius Johnson. I don't think he won that fight, but he has a win over Demetrius Johnson. He ended the streak. The guy's incredible. Became the Bantamweight champion. Defended the Bantamweight title. The guy's done incredible things. Gold medalist. He's done it all. But what he hasn't done is become a huge star, and not even close to to the place he thinks he's at. He's just not. So I hope he does come back. I really hope he comes back. But I hope he does it right. Don't say you're coming back and then sit on the sidelines if the UFC offers you three or four fights with top five Bantamweights. Take a fight. Take a fight with either of those guys. It's not going to be easy. But the respects that you will get from fans, media, I mean, you'll get it. You'll definitely get it. I'm going to take a few more. Again, I'm at the card, the uh, auto repair shop, so I can't stick around that much longer. Zeke, what's up, man? Gentleman. Well, I guess my man, Mike. I mean, this is awesome. Gentleman. Gentleman. <laughs>
6: Um, all right, so I want to go over the main event this weekend, and I want to talk to you about the main event next weekend coming up, and then I'll let you go on this beautiful heck of the morning. Uh, wow. Cool. Cheeto Vera is a goddamn killer. I mean, you guys mentioned it on uh, the post show, and I think you guys mentioned it on uh, the recap Monday. You kind of watch this guy grow up. You know what I mean? Like, he kind of made the same exact mistakes as, I guess you could say, the guy in our main event this weekend coming up did, Charles Oliveira. He, uh, he got in the UFC at a young age. He developed his game to the point where you have no idea what kind of different strikes he's going to throw at you. So my question is, Is does Chido Vera have a chance to win the championship? Do you think he has that type of run in him? My second question is, I think Justin Gaethje is, if Dustin Poirier is an America's sweetheart, I think Justin Gaethje might be. I think a lot of people love him. He's obviously one of the most fantastic fighters to watch uh, style-wise because he's just going to stand in there and not take your shit and just come forward with different combinations. Do you think that uh, Gaethje has a puncher's chance better than Chandler? Or do you think that Mr. Charles Oliveira, which is, in my opinion, honestly, is arguably one of the most underrated fighters in this promotion? And I think that he has a way better chance against Justin than he did Dustin. And we saw what happened against Dustin. So once he gets him on the ground, in my opinion, I think Charles is light years ahead of the both of them. Uh... So my, I guess I answered my question for me. But for you, what do you think about Mr. Vera's future? And what do you think about Mr. Gechi and Oliveira on Saturday? I will shut up and listen. You are the man, Mike. Let's have a heck of a
3: week. Thank you, Zeke. So Marlon Vera, yeah, the dude is an animal. And the best thing about <laughs> – the most effective thing Marlon Vera did on Saturday was get punched in the face. I'd get punched in the face a lot because you have to believe like if I walked up to somebody right now and there's like a couple of guys standing outside, I'm never going to do this by the way. But if I walked outside right now and I see this gentleman, that's probably 50 feet away from me. And I walk up to him and I punched him 270 times in the face. And he just stood there and danced in my face. I'd be like, what? I would just kind of stand there and be like, okay, respond. I'm done. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Marlon Vera didn't even look like he fought anybody. I watched him on the MA Hour. Didn't have, a, didn't have a mark on him. It's insane. And he got hit the third most times in UFC history. Think about that. And it didn't phase him at all. And then Marlon with the kicks, the body work, everything he did. He was just so patient. He picked his spots. He knew they would come. It's a brilliant game plan. Not that I would recommend getting punched 270 times in the face in a five-round fight is an effective game plan, but in this fight in particular, it worked. His durability, his ability to take a shot and not even be phased, like not even a little, it was such a weapon in this fight. It's hard not to get frustrated. And then you can see as the fight went on, Tyson Chartier is giving Font advice in the corner. He's telling him, do this, do this, do this. And Font's just like, nah, man, I'm going to go in there and punch this guy in the face because I'm hitting him. I'm hitting him. I'm, I'm freaking Font. I'm hitting this guy. Eventually, he's got gonna, to he's gonna fall. He's got to falter. But he didn't. And that's frustrating. That's going to frustrate the crap out of you. So his future is very bright. I don't recommend him taking that much punishment over the next few years, but it's working for him right now. It'll be interesting to see where he goes next. I do like the Dominic Cruz idea quite a bit. I hate the Jose Aldo callout. It makes absolutely no sense. It's a horrible callout. You already lost him. You lost that fight, and it wasn't that long ago. So why go to that well now? I didn't like it. Didn't like the callout. Like the Cruz callout quite a bit. So if you want to go that route, cool. They match him up with Piotr and I'm in. They want to match him up with Corey Sanhagen, I'm in. Bear's in a really good spot right now. I saw a lot of people, some colleagues of mine as well, suggest that he should fight Song Yedong. Why? Why the Song Yedong fight? I understand it's a loss and, like, you have to deal with that and you felt like you won that fight, but it doesn't seem like Marlon Vera is all that interested in running that back right now. Marlon's the type of guy that, like, he doesn't care about the decision. Like, he moves on quickly. In his mind, he won that fight. So in his eyes, I, he beat Song Yudong. He doesn't need Song Yudong. Now, Song Yudong, would love to fight him again because he's up like five spots on him. And I would like to see that fight again someday. But I think Song Yudong versus Rob Font's the fight to make. Not anytime soon. But if Song gets another fight, gets another win, Rob takes some time off, do Song Yudong versus Rob Font. That's a fun fight. Marlon's just too far ahead of him at this point. And by the way, not that it matters, it was the like, early stages of the pandemic. That fight between Vera and Song Yudong came together very quickly, and it was at featherweight. So you could always run say that, well, that wasn't a bantamweight fight. It was a featherweight fight. I think it's kind of stupid, but you had that in the, back, in the back burner if you need it. All right, we're going to take like three more. I promise you Thursday and Friday we're just going to go bananas and we'll go as long as we need to, but I got to get rolling here. Mayonnaise face McFlanagan. Never thought I'd say those words today, but uh, especially all in a row. But here we are. What's up? Are you there? Mayonnaise face McFlanagan. Are you there? Hello,
4: Mike?
3: Hey, what's up? Hey,
4: goodness. Happy to be on. Heck of a morning. Uh, You've already talked about it a little bit, but what is Cheetos skin made of? is my first question <laughs> and the second question would be what is the path you see possible for tony ferguson uh is it quick sob is it i don't think it's decision but you might think differently uh let me know i will shut up and keep driving thanks mike
3: first of all let me just reiterate how much i love the fact that mayonnaise face McFlanagan is calling from the car exactly how i drew this show up people driving to work calling in sports radio baby Marlon skin is made up of something that scientists have not discovered yet. He's a freak. The guy's a freak in the best possible way as a combat sport, athlete. So I don't know if how long this uh, scientific breakthrough skin can last, but uh, it's serving him well so far. It's serving him well. Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler. Listen, I've said this many times. I know Tony's getting up there in age. Chandler's not a young buck himself. But I feel that if Tony Ferguson, who is a very durable guy, If he can get out of the first round, here's what he probably needs to do. He needs to get into 47 minutes. Pretty happy about that. We'll be back Thursday, 8 a.m. Eastern. We'll do this all over again. We'll probably just take your calls the entire time to make up for it. And you know we're going to do the same thing again on Friday.
6: The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings
1: Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets
2: when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours